Are you passionate about making a difference through design? Join us at the Human Centered Design Network's Circle, a new private community for change makers just like you. Connect with like minded professionals, gain exclusive rights to monthly learning opportunities, and lead the change in human centered design. For more information, see thisishcd.com. Now, let's get back into that episode. Growth is amazing, but it's double edged sword. Like, everyone wants growth. I get it, but it can be tough in an organization. And so I think get a lot of the fundamentals in place, like such as your company values and like what you believe in. Like sometimes people think that stuff's a bit fluffy, but really, really helps you when you grow rapidly is like understanding why does your company exist other than to make money? You know, and I think so. So get your, your values nailed. Hello and welcome to This Is HCD. My name is Jerry Scullion and I'm a designer, educator and the host of This Is HCD based in the wonderful city of Dublin, Ireland. Now, our goal here is to have conversations that inspire and help move the dial forward for organisations to become more human-centred in their approach to solving complex business and societal problems. Now, I recently caught up for coffee with John Collins, also based in Dublin, and the former director of content for Intercom, and is now an independent consultant working in content marketing for businesses around the world. In this conversation, we chat about the role of content marketing versus product marketing. We chat about the massive growth of Intercom over the seven years that John was there. I actually put John on the spot, and you're very welcome, John and asked them for five key learnings during this period and also the things that they did that, that led to the business to generating over a quarter of a million business leads in that time. That's pretty cool. Now, before we jump in, I'd love it if you could help me out a little bit, if you could leave a review for the podcast wherever you listen to the podcast. It only takes a couple of minutes, folks, but it really, really helps our growth, helps new listeners and helps the findability of the podcast. Those algorithms on Spotify and Google and Apple truly love your input. Now, you can go one better, of course, and become a patron of the podcast and you can get an ad-free stream of this podcast for as little as €1.66 per month. You get a shout out as well as thanks on the podcast. Now, there are other plans there where you can get a super cool hoodie that I have. I'm wearing it right now at the moment with a Design for Humans logo that's nicely embroidered. And all the money goes directly to editing, hosting and maintaining our website, which, as you've probably heard before, is now a repository for human-centered design goodness with over 220 episodes, folks. So please do your bit and try and help us. Let's jump straight into this episode. It's a really good one. John is an epic guest and I know you're going to enjoy it. John Collins, a very warm welcome to This Is HCD. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Jerry. Thanks for thanks for having me. No worries. We're we're almost neighbours in Dublin City, and we're just after having a, a whole kind of bout of technology problems trying to connect, which is kind of ironic when we probably could have just met up for a coffee. <laughs> uh, and we're on Zoom calls to the US and the UK and all sorts of places uh, nonstop. But yeah, we try and do calls someone down the road, and I know <laughs> technology doesn't play ball. It is kind of crazy, and like technology, um, you you've been involved in technology for the last um well that 15 20 years probably and i'm looking at your linkedin here as well but we'll we'll get to some of that stuff how do you describe what you do john oh that's <laughs> that, that's a tough one i mean uh make it simple for people i mean i kind of say listen i i've done a lot of content marketing and communications uh but really what i t- talk about is um you know it's, it's really like building community it's 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 anything that's like organic 
top of funnel and get people aware of your company, get people uh, interested in your company. But I think a big thing, and I think like what we've talked about before is, you know, making sure that, you know, the experience that you have with marketing is also very similar to the experience you have in the product. I've always worked with very product, uh, product driven companies and like a lot of product led growth. And I think, not least because it makes your job so much easier as a marketer to uh, work with with a great product rather than you know I think we see some organizations are very sales led or very marketing led um you know I think if, if if you're doing marketing where you've got a really strong product it just makes your life so much easier absolutely and it's funny because in uh, the world of service design that I primarily um, position myself in we um sorry you might have cut out there a little bit John in the world of service design that we kind of I'm involved in anyway we often talk about the pre-service experience and the service experience and how mm-hmm. that will ultimately affect the post-service experience if the pre-service experience is setting up an over-expectancy. Um, so you, you, your role as director of content in Intercom in Ireland is probably a really good one to to talk a little bit about because the, the product that, in my mind, when you were speaking there, um, you know, that's that's Intercom, okay? Intercom's regarded as being one of the, the poster boys, so to speak, of of tech in Ireland. When you yeah. joined Intercom, you were, um, there were probably two and a half, three years into their journey in 2014. Walk me through what that was like in terms of the product at that stage and also your role, what you were doing with them. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, it was kind of an interesting one because I had, um, you know, I worked worked in, in, in um, tech briefly during the first dot-com go-around, um, you know, but then I'd, I'd worked as a journalist uh, after that and, like, always very interested in, in technology and business mm. and, and, and you know, had a lot of contacts in the industry. And obviously the, the, the media world was not a great place to be in 2014. Yeah. And so uh, Intercom own uh, the CEO at Intercom was one of the first people I kind of got in touch with and was like, hey, look, I'm looking to make a change. And, you know, I see you guys raise money. You know, surely you're, you know, you're going to start doing some PR or look for, you know, someone to do comms, which was kind of the standard way that, like, people mm. uh, got out of journalism. But actually... Owen and his co-founder Des very much had a vision of what content could be and, and how content marketing could could really help uh, yeah. Intercom grow. And I think it was like very different to a lot of what was around at the time, which was very much about SEO and about like churning out lots and lots of articles, you know, which were like on the face of it, pretty good articles. But like I always say, they're like kind of, you kind of have that happy meal uh, effect with with a lot of SEO content yeah. in that, you know, you like, it looks good, you eat it, you feel full, but then like half an hour later, you, you realize you're still hungry. Yeah. Uh, and so what we did was wanted to create something that, you know, would be much more about building the brand. Uh, but also, as I said, would reflect, you know, the, 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 the the experience people are going to have right throughout like their their time with intercom like we always said you know it was really important to sort of see the world through the lens of your product um so you know we would talk about it's not that you would talk about like what the product like how to use the product but you do talk about like sort of the universe the product plays in and 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 see that through the lens of your product so i'll give you an example we uh intercom had a customer engagement uh kind of platform which you know allowed you to message your customers but like in the product and like you know this had been written in software was like you know it was almost impossible to send a message to the same message to all your customers all the time like yeah. you had to choose fil- filters for your message because 
like any message that you send to everyone is probably quite like it's a spam message, really. You know, mm. messages should be targeted and directed at, 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 at people. So like that was something that they'd written in the software. And like that's what we wrote about in the content, you know, like how to target messages, how to write a good message, how like what are the different kind of like, you know, and and this was content that you could get value even if you used one of our competitors. Yeah. Um, you know, you could potentially get value out of it, but like the philosophy in that content was very much the philosophy of the product. And I think that's why it works because it wasn't doing a hard sell, but it was making it very clear, like, why would you choose a product like Intercom? Yeah. And I, I remember at that stage, it was um, not not coming across as the hard sell was the big thing. Um, I was in Australia at the time and I, I remember a wave of people talking about Intercom had this blog and I was like, why are they writing a blog? Like, you know, and then when we looked at it, there was some some fantastic articles up there that resonated with service designers and user experience designers and people that were working within SaaS businesses and consultancies and stuff like that. And they started to talk about it and it started to build a brand. But I guess um when when you're when you're at that stage of of growth, was there resistance in the business to take this step, or was it something that you all bought into quite quickly? Um, I think the, the massive advantage I had was that, like, this came from the top, yeah. uh, you know, like Owen really believed in it, but like, not only that, but Des actually walked, walks the walk, uh, mm. the first 93 of 100 blog posts written on Inside Intercom were by Des. I mean, literally, I remember meeting him for a coffee between the time I signed on, uh, signed my contract and actually started. And he was like, I can't wait for you to join. There's so much, you know, like uh, I want you to take off my plate. But like he literally had it set up so that there was like a an RSS feed from the blog to like a, an email uh, marketing program, campaign monitor, whatever it was at the time, where it literally was sending out the new blog posts for the week every Wednesday at 5.30, which meant he basically had to write, someone had to produce a blog post every week or that email was going out empty. And like there was that forced discipline of like, we're going to create content. But it, it's an interesting one because I think like, you know, uh, content marketing is, it's it's just become this thing that like every every company wants to do out, out of the blocks. But, uh, you know, somehow there's there's sometimes going to be this reluctance to invest in it or it's like, we'll, we'll hire a junior person or, you know, yeah. like it, it, it's, it's not maybe seen as sort of um, something you need to invest as much in as, as other parts of of marketing and i think that's real a real loss and i think actually you know we're, we're kind of at a, an, an age now where it's like actually don't bother doing content if you're not going to do quality content or stand out in some way because it's just so much so much bad content out there you know it's so much me too kind of content yeah um you know and i think that's a that's a that's a big issue i see uh particularly now that i'm kind of consulting with, with clients and stuff and you know i think people are like you know we want to tick this box sometimes but they don't necessarily want to like invest in it or have an opinion or really sort of, I suppose, like reflect, try and reflect their brand, you know? Yeah. Just wanna, I, I just, yeah. Can you remember at that stage and it's, I'm, I'm hopefully you're going to be able to share some of this stuff. Um, but how did you measure success? So I think in the early days, it was really just um, in the first year, probably it was really just to see like, you know, as I say, I've been kind of like the founders kind of driving this. I mean, they come from that, like, not, not to date ourselves too much, but that kind of Web 2.0 world where, you know, everyone was having meetups and, you know, everyone was blogging and all that kind of stuff. So they they very naturally sort of like, you know, told their story as the company grew. Hmm. Uh, and it was really like to see, could we bring in like someone like me, like a more professional editor, you know, to actually sort of uh, scale that operation. And so like... 
you know, I've worked with people who re- are very data driven and really want to like, we need to like measure everything within an inch of its life. But I always say like, listen, in the first six months, at least of a, of a content marketing program, yeah. you should just know this is working. Like if you are, you know, starting to publish stuff, if you're not hearing feedback, like either on social where you're seeing people sharing your posts or like you're going to trade shows and people are actually coming up and, and talking about like your content or, you know, you're, they're responding to your email newsletter just with like, hey, really enjoy this, you know, that kind of stuff. And you're starting to see some traffic. And then once you start to build those things, then you can start to think about, oh, okay, like we, we've got some traffic. Is this like what kind of articles are converting? Like if, if, if our goal here is to get, say, leads or to sign ups, like are we seeing are we seeing conversion and what on what type of articles are we seeing conversion? Um, you know, there's like are we seeing like the types of people are coming to the website attracted by the content? Are they the right types of visitors? Because actually, like a big issue, I think uh, early early doors with a, a content program can be what I call the, the high school project problem. Uh, where basically, you know, you're you're doing kind of quite definitional basic content around your, the space you're in. Um, but, you know, say if you're a fintech and you've got a, an article about like how to do a budget, like you, it's not finance leaders who are thinking of you buying your product who are <laughs> Googling, you know, how to do a budget. They know how to do a budget. That's yeah. why they're a finance leader. But there is high school students or other people, you know, other people entering the profession maybe or whatever, you know. So, um, yeah, I think, I think you need to be very careful early on. You know, you got to, get to a point and content does take about maybe like a couple of quarters to get there where you actually have enough data to be okay like we can now start to to, to really dig into this and figure out what's going what's going on yeah i mean um it's pretty hard to to justify like the, the, the amount of content w- without having any of those leads and i think i read somewhere that the the content generation for intercom generated close to a quarter of a million leads is that right for for the business over the period of a number of years is that right oh totally i mean uh without getting too too much into the uh, i mean obviously it's, it's pretty historic at this stage but no i mean even i think like our our big thing was uh getting getting email downloads and actually the way we we did that the the very successful tactic we had that was uh by producing books uh and like i think you know I, you'll notice also I didn't say ebook. Uh, we yeah. call them books. It's a physical we book. To... We did do a physical book, but actually, even the the ones that were digital, we just felt like the actual whole notion of an ebook was very demeaned, and like they're usually pretty light and like of lower quality. And like these were like you know these were like forty thousand word pieces. These were like they had an ISSN number. You know, you could download them from Amazon. They were available in like multiple like digital formats, you know, not just a PDF. You could get mm. them on your iPhone. Yeah, you know, we just want, wanted to feel like a quality product, right? Mm. But yeah, the, the books alone, I mean, with our first book, Intercom on, on, on Product Management, uh, was, was was has been downloaded over like, well, certainly while I was there, over 100,000 times. And like literally it was, you know, it was being hosted on other people's websites. I mean, once a month, I kind of have to Google it and 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 email people going, "Can you please take that, take our intellectual property off your website?" Uh, but it's always a good sign that, that people are doing that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think like the books alone would have would have had over two hundred fifty thousand downloads, um, which you know to to sort of buy that that level of you know it, investing in content certainly can seem um, a big expense up front, but like compare that to how much you would have to pay in in google ads or you know facebook ads to get that those number of leads or mm. those number of email you know and they're not they are leads because they're not just an email address they're they're someone who's actually shown an interest in in, in your content yeah and I, I remember um for listeners in australia anyway in particular 
the the wave of information coming from Dublin to Sydney at that stage was you're going to be doing a world tour. I remember, I think that's how it mm. was branded. Um, yeah. And I was like, Intercom are going to do a world tour. My God, like, you know, the, they are the rock stars at the moment coming out of Ireland and they're actually going to do a world tour. What's going to be involved? <laughs> and I remember buying... Actually, I think Adrian Tan actually bought a bunch of tickets. Who's a product management uh, consultancy owner down in Sydney, who's a good friend of the podcast. And we all went to the world tour of Intercom in Sydney. Can you give us a little bit of background to that? Because, you know, it just seems like um, a, a kind of a leap for a business yeah, yeah. To, 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 to start doing something like that. Like, where did this idea come from? Yeah, well, I'd just like to say as an aside, Jerry, I'm sure your first reaction was not what you said and was probably like pure notions on those lads. <laughs> well, do you know, I, I hovered over that conversation in my head. I was like, I was like Janie Mac, the, the pair of brass balls and these lads coming across and calling it a world tour. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you know, the fact that even, you know, whatever, like four or five years later, we're, we're, we're still talking about it is, yeah. is, is testament to that. I mean, listen, um, you know, we... we we, we always sort of felt like we wanted to do like quality content. We invested in content with a big content team at that mm. stage. We had started to do events, um, you know, initially, like way back, we used to do just like small community events, uh, which were meet basically ups. just like meetups and bars. Yeah. But I mean, once we got, did, started to do professional events, like um, the, 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 the team really empowered our, our Megan Sheridan, our uh, head of events, just do really, really creative stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, like we did the Mansion House, I think, was was one of our first events. Um, and just to try and make it like, you know, at the time, like tech events were very associated with, you know, like Pizza. I'm going to go and some guy in a, in a bad suit is going to present a bad PowerPoint in a you know suburban hotel somewhere. And, you know, I'm going because it's like my boss asked me to go and attend this thing. But, you know. there's zero joy in it and i think really why we wanted to do it in in many ways was kind of reflect the content we were publishing both on our blog and on our podcast and and sort of do a live version of that and you know i think you know as we talked through that you know probably megan was like we we should do like call it like a tour and so it was really just like we literally looked in intercom because intercom used intercom to run intercom but um we looked in intercom and like like where are like where are most of our customers like what what you know, what are the top cities? Um, and so we went to, you know, it was it was London, Berlin, Paris, you know, right across the US, uh, Vancouver, Sydney, went to Toronto, you know, and so it was really just like, where are where are the uh, the, the companies that use us most? And let's, let's actually go and, uh, and visit them and try and deliver something of, of mm-hmm. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but deliver something of value that's like not your normal just sort of you know, come and talk about us and, and, and tell you what's on the, the roadmap, but yeah. actually tell you some of the, share some of the stories and, and, and the vulnerabilities of like our own uh, uh, journey. Uh, because like at that stage, particularly, uh, you know, less so now, but like at that stage, particularly Intercom was very much selling to startups. Yeah. So it made, it made sense to, to sort of share yeah. our own journey. Yeah. I remember at that stage though, um, those events weren't free. And I remember that that was kind of a, a little bit of a, sort of a jolt i was like okay there you have to pay to go to these things um that's something that we discussed in the last time about always having something there where there's value being exchanged um how did you justify at that point having a ticket price for that whereas um say that the blog items and and the podcasts they're free as well like you know 
Yeah, well, I think there's there's just a it, it, there's a, a a scarcity factor with with an, a live event that there just isn't with a podcast or yeah. or, or a, a, you know blog, and so it was literally like if we put these things out out there and make them for free, you know, we're going to get literally a twenty five percent attendance yeah. rate. Like that is that's the industry average, right? You know, because people just go oh, and then they go oh, it's Wednesday and it's actually raining, so I'm going to go home from work, or you know, I had a bad day, I'm going to go home from work. Whereas actually, if you paid like ten bucks, and I think that probably the average price uh, yeah. wherever we went it just people go oh you know what i paid for that thing i'm gonna go um yeah. and it just made people think twice about it it, it made people like obviously the expectation is higher uh, in terms of what we delivered mm. but um i think also you know people put yeah it just created a buzz about it you know uh, and it made sure that like the, the the room was full you know people had paid ten dollars to be there they were gonna they were gonna turn up and they were gonna be interested and they were gonna be attentive absolutely now, can you remember way back at that point when, um, you know, you, you got the, the promotion as the, the director of content at that stage mm-hmm. in Intercom, you were probably four years in or something like that. And they were seven years into their journey. Um, that would have been a pretty big um, sort of a hockey stick of, of gone through that pieces. Mm. What, what was the um, what was the feeling around? Because at that stage, the shift in how marketing was was being perceived within the business was probably uh, changing a little bit more and you, you started to do I guess maybe talk to that a little bit more like what, what was the the shift like from the start to where you were at to be made director of content what what kind of stuff were you doing at that stage with the content strategy yeah well I think uh you know I think the, the big thing was well it was a number of things um I think like we'd just gone into to new channels uh and realized that actually you know, much as I talked about the, the 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 live events, you know, it's it's basically a live version of the content we were putting out, say, on the on the the um, blog or the podcast. Hmm. But really, it was just like trying trying to get into new channels and realize that actually you just need to give your customers and potential customers like choice of how they consume your content. Like hmm. some people want to listen because they want to like they want to consume your content when they're at the gym or when they're driving a car. Other people want to like do, read it at lunchtime at their desk so you still continue to produce a podcast but it was just like or continue to produce the blog but it was just you know move into new channels uh was it was it was a big thing for us give people that those those options um started to really sort of move move down the funnel as i say in marketing and and get closer to sales as well and really thinking about like what's the content that we need to produce to help sales close deals so whether that's like Hey, we've got like a two pager here on like yeah intercom security stance, or you know we've got like a com- com- doc- document you know case studies of of how our customers have moved from from other solutions, uh, all that kind of stuff was 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 a really big piece for us as well. Um, but yeah, it was I mean obviously and the the metrics you know I obviously talked about at the start uh, you know it's kind of like you should be able to just see it you know you don't have to do a huge amount of uh, dashboarding or engineering to figure out it's working but like certainly though the, the metrics were very different at, at that stage and it was very it was very much around you know leads um you know obviously people felt like content really helped build the brand but it was you know that that, yeah. that quite often can be a bit of a fig leaf in marketing it's like oh this is great for the brand but like what's it actually delivering for the business and so i think there was definitely a case where we were we were carrying a lead number you know we we're actually yeah. saying, okay this is how many leads we're going to bring in this quarter um so yeah i mean it was but we had a much bigger team it was a much bigger investment at that stage and it was interesting as well like we had content 
like we then had obviously content designers on the uh, on the product side as well that we we were you know in a separate org but uh, like trying to figure out how to make content work throughout the the journey you know so that as you said you know you didn't have that sort of pre you know before you buy and after you buy and a disconnect between the two which often we see uh, in a yeah. lot of products so uh, for people listening here like they may not have a, a decent understanding of the different types of marketing and the different marketing functions you, mm. you talk about content marketing um how does that differ really to product marketing in your world because from my understanding of working with and speaking to other um people in the content design space especially john coleman who was there at, at intercom they may mm. have been mainly working on the product side of things is that fair to say yeah, totally, totally. Um, so, I mean, certainly uh, at Intercom, the way it works was like uh, content design sat in the product org. Um, but on the marketing side, product marketing, generally, like product marketing is, is, is where you think about like, you know, the, well, I suppose the output is uh, what is the positioning? Like, how are you going to actually talk about this product? Who, who are you going to, who, who is the target market? Like, what is your ideal customer profile? Uh, what are the key messages that that we like we have about this product? Um, and so, like content marketing, you know, comms, uh, paid advertising, like whatever it might be, these are channels that then kind of sit on top of product marketing mm. uh, and and pump the correct, you know, you know, figure out okay, like if this is if we're trying to reach, uh, you know, service designers in the financial services industry, well, like if that's our target market, if that's our ICP, our ideal customer profile, well, what how do we how do we reach them with content? What's the voice and tone of the content if we're writing for those kind of people? Like where do they currently sort of read and stuff? So I think that's how I very much think of like product marketing is that sort of foundational stuff. And I think, you know, very much uh, in the startup world, I always say to people, like, get a pro get product marketing first, um, particularly if you're in this sort of, like, B2B mm -hmm. uh, space that, that I've mostly worked in. It's it's essential to just figure out, because I can I can create content for any business and, and sort of, like, make my best stab at it. But if you haven't done that foundational work of thinking about, like, what does the market want? You know, who are the people, who are the buyers in the market? All that stuff that product marketing does. And product marketing kind of sits at that intersection between, you know, sales, product, and marketing, um, mm -hmm. and, and obviously represents the, the the customer and what they see out in the market as well. So, it's 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 a it's a really foundational role. Um, and, and as I say, the the kind of then uh, you layer on. Like at, at Intercom, we had product marketing, content marketing, demand generation, which included all the the the, the paid advertising, mm -hmm. and then brand marketing, as we call it. And and it was great that like you know because in a lot of places content marketing would potentially sit under product marketing or potentially sit under demand generation but i think you know it was that was why i think uh content was so successful was that we had that equal sort of uh billing at the at, at the head table of marketing you know yeah i think my understanding of the content marketing space and you can tell me to to sit back down jerry um is there's a correlation between uh like paid advertising and, and paid spend and all that kind of stuff and google ads and so forth mm -hmm. was there a correlation between the cost for content marketing and re reducing the the focus for the kind of the paid ad is that is, is that does that make sense like yeah it, yeah no absolutely um like totally i mean you should uh you know in the early days and i think you know 
it's happening less now because obviously the way the way the yeah. online advertising space has changed, and particularly with Apple's recent you know r- rule changes last year, which mean it's it's harder to target advertising. But uh, and it's, um, so you know, but but people do generally turn on paid advertising first if they're trying to like yeah. generate in, inbound interest. Get yeah, exactly, exactly. But I mean, over time, absolutely, your 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 organic, as it's known, your non-paid sources should be like 70, 80% of, of, of your business. Um, and that, that, that takes time, though, to, to, to build that. But I mean, that's ideally in the in the B2B world, what you want to you want to get to. You shouldn't have to be, you know, you, you shouldn't technically have to be uh, paying for, for traffic for sort of your core, um, you know, product features or anything like that, or particularly anything branded where people are like, you know, searching for your company name and and this kind of uh, product or service you offer. Yeah. Um. So totally, you know, we never didn't quite get down to the point where we were analyzing, um, you know, cost per lead or like on the on the on the at the content level. I mean, obviously, we were at at, at a at a company level or you know marketing department level. Um, you know, but um. Yeah, I mean, you should the cost per lead uh, should is, is significantly less for for organic yeah. um, than than it is for 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 paid generally if you're if you're doing it properly. Yeah, and the the noise the signal to noise ratio tends to be a little bit better as well through, in my experience, I anyway, know with content marketing versus yeah paid. So um, can you speak to that, that was, a little bit more around yeah. the conversion rates? Like, are, are you seeing a, a higher conversion rate through uh, content marketing versus paid marketing? Uh, so conversion, it's, it's interesting conversion rate, like conversion rates were not quite as good as, uh, for, for paid. Cause actually you think about it, like paid can be very targeted and yeah. someone's clicked on an ad. So the intent is quite high at that point. Mm. Whereas actually the intent, you know, I might download your piece of content and I'm definitely sort of bought into your philosophical approach, but I mightn't be as sort of, um, Invested. primed to buy at that point. Yeah. But what, what we did see with content marketing was a huge difference was that basically those customers hung around a lot longer and spent a lot more with us. So, uh, the, 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 the lifetime value of those, those customers that came through content was way, way higher wow. than from than from paid so because if you think about it generally paid you might be running a paid campaign that like talks about how you're you know cheaper than your uh your competitors are you've got you know certain features that your competitors don't have but you know the competitor might get that feature you know and, and particularly depending on on the nature of your product and how easy it is to to, to switch or change um you know those customers can, can move i think the reason uh that the content was so successful in sort of getting these like deeper customer relationships and these customers that hung around for longer and spent more was because like particularly at Intercom, the content we produced, we were really priming them for like the way that the, the product worked, you know, yeah. it was like, Hey, you know, you want, you, you actually believe that customer relationships are something worth investing in Intercom. The, the tool uh, will help you to have those better customer Absolutely. relationships. Absolutely. You know, there was there was a connect there. You know, yeah, I'd go so far and say if this didn't happen, like if if the the content marketing function wasn't as good as it was way back, and this is not me kind of blowing smoke, um, it it, it really changed how I thought of the business because I wasn't in Ireland, I wasn't around, I was in a completely different territory, I was watching it from afar, and the only way of interacting was through the blog and through the podcast at that stage and it really led me to to believe that the product was going to be 
sensational like you know and you know it's it's grown and it's it's obviously a, a massive success story so without that piece it just would have been another tech tech business really uh, like a SaaS business that was was trying to sell um whereas this is a really um yeah. nice and passive way of doing it yeah yeah well thank you thank you for that um yeah i mean i think it, it like it definitely helped us punch above our weight like there's 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 no doubt and i think i think uh you know, it's funny because like uh, I get people, you know, I hear people talking about, oh, like we want to want to do what Intercom did with our with our content, and I'm like, well, you know, it's not like a formula that you can just recreate elsewhere. I mean, it was at a particular time, um, it was a particular market we were going after, like that we chose to do the things we did. It's not that it's a playbook for like, you know, if you're a B two B software company, just do these things and it'll work. Mm. So, for instance, like we we wanted to stand out, like. There was people like HubSpot and Buffer, who were a social media tool. You know, they're probably the two most high-profile examples at the time when I joined of like people who were doing re- like high volumes of SEO content. And like we were like, okay, w- you know, we can't compete with them. Uh, how do, and like you know, HubSpot in particular were like better funded and big, bigger than us at the time. It was like, what are we going to do that's going to stand out? Like, how are we going to create something that's that's unique? Um, and also, I think it was the nature of who we were selling to, like. You know, we were selling to uh, relatively early stage startups. Um, it was like founders, it was like product managers, it was designers in those companies because they were the people who were deciding, oh, let's put Intercom into like let's build like integrate Intercom into our product. Uh, and so again, you know, I think those kind, that kind of audience, they were quite willing to. They want they would not just quite willing to, but they were only going to interact with high quality content. Yeah, they weren't going to read the the the, the very sort of like uh, SEO driven kind of very like tick the box uh, t- type content. They wanted they wanted to hear opinions from like our product team and opinions from our designers. Absolutely, you know our take on the world. Um, and I think so that's I think, the big point. I yeah. think it's you know it wasn't created by marketing for marketing people. It was created by you know the top talent in in intercom for the top talent in the businesses who were who were the person that was going to influence the sale process within their business yeah absolutely so like the the paul adam post that i mentioned to you ages ago like um what was it called it was a it was a funny one the the, the, the dribbleization of design right i i remember being in a bank in sydney and that being sent around through Slack and maybe it wasn't Slack back in that time. But, <laughs> but um, I remember kind of going, oh my God, that's, that's, they're an Irish business. I'm feeling a sense of pride. That's, that's the uh, ironic thing. I was like, yeah, they're, they're Irish. And feeling that there's something happening at home was, was hugely positive as an expat as well. But I think that's the, the, the main yeah. point. Now, I know you've, you, you've obviously exited Intercom a couple of years ago and you've been working on other stuff. And you're you're an independent consultant at the moment. Maybe you can talk mm-hmm. to a little bit of the your key learnings that you took from the the intercom role, and then you're working for Ramp as well. Um, if you had to do a, a kind of a, a top, say, five things that you learned in terms of the the growth period in intercom, what would they be in terms mm-hmm. of advice for startups who are going through that journey now and maybe want to invest more into content marketing? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think the, the big thing for me was uh, kind of really just kind of, it sounds a bit corny, but like really fall in love with the customer. Fall in love with the really customer. Like on, but, but just really like understand, yeah. like, I mean, in the first year at Intercom, 
any opportunity to go to like a meetup or uh, like a conference or whatever. Like, you know, I have to apologize if anyone like interacting with me at that stage, but you know, I was on the stand at like web, things like Web Summit and stuff, you know, actually trying to, you know, help sell Intercom because it was just like, you need to eyeball yeah. the people and really understand who are, like, who are your potential customers? Like, how do they talk about your solution? How do they, like, what kind of, what do they read? What do they drink? What do, like, what kind of coffee do mm-hmm. they like? You know, how do they dress? You know, because these are all things that just really, really help you, like, create something that's going to resonate with the, the, the with them. And, like, whether that's helped them resonate on the, on the, on the uh, you know, product side or the, the marketing side or whatever it might be. You know, because even, I think, things like, you know, uh, Intercom was one of the first sort of business products to to, to introduce emoji and support emoji. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, I remember people were quite like, oh, this is kid stuff. And it's like, she's great. You know, now you're kind of start using a business product and it doesn't support emoji. You're like, what the yeah. hell is wrong here? You know, like, if it's, if, you know. So, and I think that came from just having that, like, you know, Paul Adams, uh, who you mentioned that, uh, VP of product or chief product officer, I believe he is now. Um, you know, he, he he very much talks about this idea of falling in love with the problem mm. um, and really deeply understanding the problem that your your customers are trying to solve, rather than like rushing to like what's the solution and what can we create for them. Yeah. You know, um, so number one, that, number um, one is falling in love with the with yeah. the customer. That's right. Yeah. Uh, number two, growth is amazing, but it's double edged sword. A lot of uh, you know, like. Everyone wants growth. Um, I get it, but you know it can be it can be tough in an organization. And so I think you know just getting get a lot of the fundamentals in place, um, like such as your company values and like what what you believe in. Like sometimes people think that stuff's a bit fluffy, but really really helps you when you when you grow, uh, when you grow rapidly is like understanding what what you know why why does your company exist other than to make money. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think so. So getting your your values nailed uh, will be will be number, number two. two. Uh, number three, hire a good marketing leader as early as you can. Oh my God! Every company I've worked for, it's like I don't know. I think marketing's just got so broad these days yeah. that like it's very hard for like one like CMO to be across everything well. But like I don't think I've worked under a marketing leader for more than about maybe like. Uh, I think eight, six, eight, eight, no, twenty months maybe. Really? August, that like any tenure of a, any leader I've had, and I think, um, yeah, I think it's just a tough one. I think like it's 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 um, so broad. You know, try and hire someone. Yeah, try and hire someone early though that can grow with the business. You know, um, like it is hard. There's, it's it's hard to hire good marketers. Yeah. I get it, but it's if you get it get it right, it's it, it's massive. That's number three. So we've got uh, two more. I should do a drum roll here. Um, uh, two more gosh you probably no it's good here. like it's, it's good just get off, off the top of your head like you know what are the what are the things because there's be people listening to this who are in startups and who are maybe in the early stage and they could be designers and they're saying okay well we, we do have these things in place like you know um what about the the problems yeah. that were faced um you know what are the the learnings maybe that in that growth period, what were the things that you you wish you'd done better, or wish that you're glad that you did? Um, document everything. Uh, again, you know you're you're moving fast. Uh, you know the, the 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 tendency is not to document things. Uh, it was quite interesting actually. Uh, hope, and again, hopefully not talking out of school, but you know different parts of say intercom as it got bigger, kind of you know had had maybe different sort of uh, processes and traditions, and it was quite interesting that like 
on the sales team uh, in particular because it was you know initially largely based in San Francisco versus the product team who was mostly based in Dublin. Like the product team was a written culture. Everything was like, let's create a Google Doc. We're gonna go in here. People will like comment in detail. It'll be held back and forth, and like you know at the end of it, like we've got like our roadmap or whatever the you know yeah. whatever where this document is is being created to solve. Whereas um, sales was very much about like like you know get you know it was an oral culture and it was like get everyone in a room and we'll figure this out and we'll like you know we'll figure out what the best solution for everyone yeah. is. But you know maybe then obviously you know there'll be some documentation obviously what decisions were made but you didn't have that really rich uh, ability to look back and I actually think you know um, while I get it while it works on the sales side I definitely think like you know for marketers in particular like there's a tendency sometimes not to document and not to design processes mm-hmm. and you know that again can really really kill you as as you grow so you know I've definitely learned my lesson from that and, 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 and really make sure yeah try, try and document stuff um and i think the last 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 one was just like don't don't compromise on hiring you know sometimes again um and hope well hopefully this is changing because it, it's terrible to see uh people losing their jobs but you know with 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 so, so big tech firms cutting back so much i think it, it is going to be easier for startups to hire but you know i know in the past it was very hard for startups to hire and they were competing with the, the big tech companies which look very very attractive yeah. for people uh, and so people would compromise some, sometimes. They go, oh, well, this person, you know, they don't take all the boxes, but we think they're okay. And, you know, when you make a bad, making a bad hire just sets you back so much further than, like, if you hadn't hired anyone yeah. at all. Because it is just so disruptive to bring someone in for, like, three months or six months or whatever it takes, however long it takes. It's just, it's kind of just, it's kind of soul destroying to you as well to... Yeah. To have to you know let someone go and uh, you know unfortunately it's a reality of startups that uh, you will have to let some people yeah. go um, because not you know not everyone's going to work out but I mean I think it's I think as much as you can don't comp- don't compromise uh, in terms of like who you hire um, because it'll just make make things so much so much easier if you've, you've got people in situ yeah there I know you said you put yourself on the spot there I put you in the spot should I say um, but they're actually very very solid five five points that you just made um john i know as i mentioned there you're you're working independently now you're working with a number of businesses if people are listening to this podcast and they want to get in touch with you what's the best way for them to do that uh you will find me on probably a linkedin is probably easy i am currently a bit like the mechanic and the, the car you know i don't have a website as we speak right now, but I am working on it. So johncollins.cc yeah. uh, will, uh, will be a good place to, to check out and just get an overview of, of what I do. I'll throw a link to that in, in the show notes, John. Um, but again, yeah. listen, look, thanks so much for, for talking about your time, uh, you know, at Intercom and just generally in your experience as a, as a leading content marketer. Um, and thanks for your openness as well. Great, great to chat, Cherry. Yeah, no, it was great, great to chat. And uh, thanks, thanks for having me on. there you go folks i hope you enjoyed that episode and if you enjoyed it and want to listen to more why not visit thisishcd.com where you can learn more about what we're up to and also explore our courses whilst you're there thanks again for listening